Welcome back. I'm Paul Reitzer, founder of Marketing AI Institute and creator of the Marketing AI Conference, or MACON. MACON is designed to help marketing leaders understand, pilot, and scale AI in their organizations. The inaugural event was held in Cleveland, Ohio, July 2019. We interviewed seven of our speakers for this podcast series. Today's episode features conversations with David Meerman Scott and Tamika Vasquez, who focus on the next frontier of marketing. What does the future hold? What do today's trends tell us about what's coming? Our first guest, Tamika Vasquez, Assistant Vice President, Global Marketing Lead for GenPAC, shared with us how she thinks about AI as a modern marketer. My role has always been to look at bringing a technology product to market. So whether that means you're exploring a new territory where that technology has not been deployed at, or if you're looking at new use cases for an existing technology. So my work has always been, and it will continue to be, kind of bringing products to market and educating people on just like advanced technologies like artificial intelligence and what it can do for their roles. So in the early days of PR 2020, when I was just building the agency and starting to work with HubSpot as their first agency partner, one of the first books I read was New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Meerman Scott. And actually, the first inbound conference in 2008 that I spoke at that evening, I had dinner with David and Brian Halligan and Dharma Shah, the co-founders of HubSpot. And so I've always looked to David kind of for inspiration in the industry, but also to get his thoughts on where everything's going. And so I think it's interesting to understand how David gets inspiration for his books and why maybe he sees what's happening, AI being so relevant, what we're doing here at Macon being so important to the future of marketing. So I am just curious, always looking around, and the best ideas that I've gotten have come because I've noticed patterns in the universe that I feel like other people haven't noticed. So the new rules of marketing and PR, which originally came out in 2007, the pattern that I noticed that no one else was talking about at that time was that marketing is about publishing. And no one had been talking about that, uh, at least not in any significant way. So I go, wow, this is really interesting. This is something I can write about. So I wrote a book about it and it just took off. It was, went insanely crazy. It sold close to a half million copies so far in English and it's in 29 other languages. And then I saw another set of patterns, and that started about 10, 11 years ago that I was thinking about these patterns, and that is that marketing is going real-time. And I noticed those patterns at the dawn of social media. So Twitter started, I think, 06 or 07, and I was noticing those patterns then. There were like a couple million people on Twitter at that point. And a couple of years after that, Google went real-time. They weren't real-time before. They would index things, but it would take a month or two for the index to get caught up with new content. Then it became real-time. So, wow, something's cool going on there. I also wrote a book with Brian Halligan, CEO of HubSpot, called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. And both of our favorite band, because the Grateful Dead was doing marketing that no one else was doing, there was a pattern there that I noticed. And the most recent one, book, I just finished it, it's coming out in January, it's called Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans, is all about how I believe the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of superficial online communications at a time when people are so hungry for true human connection. And that's a pattern I noticed 
very few people were talking about it. When I mentioned it to people, like, oh, yeah, right. You know, the online world is full of, like, bots and spam and fake news and this, that, and the other thing. And, yes, there's great things about it. It's not going away. But at the same time, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who want to be here on site at Macon because we want that personal connection. Everything we're learning here, you could learn online without having to get on an airplane. But people want that true human connection. So I wanted to know, what is it about artificial intelligence that has sort of captured David's imagination? Where is he seeing it being applied? And what does he see the opportunity moving forward? So I love the fact that AI can make sense of an enormous amount of data that we humans just can't possibly manage. And so that's really important. And I believe that's something that we can use to free up our brain power to do something that's truly interesting, that's truly important, to automate the things that can and should be automated, which then allows us to do the deeper thinking, the higher level thinking, and have those true human connections. And so, you know, do I want to look through a massive database to figure out things like lead scoring? No, I would go insane. But machines can do that for me, especially if they can tap data beyond my data to figure out what other people's lead scoring are and what I can discern from that. And that obviously is massive databases. So yes, I think that the promise of AI, the actual, in many cases, reality of AI is it's an incredibly powerful thing, but only when it allows you to develop that humanity because of what you freed up. If you just deploy the machines... That's not a world I want to live in. So David touched on the importance of humanity. As we think about artificial intelligence, the theme of the conference was actually more intelligent, more human. So it was very important to us that there were sessions that talked about that. So Tamika's session was, don't let them scare you. The future is marketer and machine. And we wanted to get her thoughts on whether or not marketers should be afraid of losing their jobs to the machines. Not at all. There's no reason to be afraid of machines taking anybody's job because I think ultimately machines are taking over a set of tasks. Um, If your job is a series of tasks, then you might want to kind of consider reframing a bit of, you know, what you do for a living. So I, I don't think, especially in a field like marketing, a function like that is best suited for environments where you get to be creative, you get to be inventive, you get to be sort of think about you know, the world and how it's evolving, think about people and consumer behaviors and things like that, that sort of nuanced and complex work cannot be done by a machine. All that can happen is a facilitation of what you're already doing. So a machine is not going to take your job. It's going to take over certain tasks that you probably shouldn't waste your time doing anyway. So if we don't have to worry about machines taking our jobs in the near future, what does the future where marketers and machines are working together look like? We asked Tamika to expand on that. When you think about the ways that machines can analyze information, it's about collating large sets of data and it's about sifting through that as quickly as possible, finding patterns and feeding back different sets of answers to you. So what you do with that is still analytical. It's still requiring that you do a lot of that kind of heavy cognitive labor of figuring out what this is supposed to mean and what can we do with it. But it's not the same thing as spending time, you know, reading customer complaints, for example, or spending time creating email lists and, you know, just the things that are a bit sort of mundane. 
it looks like the same task is being done, but the intention is different. The machine's intention is to sift through that very quickly and feed back something valuable. Your intention is to take that value and actually put it into motion. So, you know, whether it's like developing new campaigns or whether it's um, kind of looking at the growth of a product, if it's working, if it's not being able to feedback, you know, to the product development teams, whether it's kind of looking at sales and how you sell and if there's a better way to sell and kind of being a true strategist and a partner in that respect, that's what a marketer is set up to do. And, you know, ultimately, if you can get rid of the time that's spent looking at data sets and having to somehow make sense of them and focus on more of the value add, that's really where we shine. As we mentioned, a lot of marketers are afraid of AI. They find it to be abstract. They find it to be overwhelming. And in a lot of cases, it prevents them from taking the steps needed to understand it and actually apply it. And we asked David about his experience, you know, coming at it from his background as a writer, as an author, as a consultant, as a speaker, but not as a machine learning engineer or a data scientist. So what is it that he's afraid of and kind of how is he trying to overcome those fears to be able to apply AI in his business? What steps I'm taking to learn more is that I'm here the whole time at Macon 2019 and that I follow everything that's being put out by Paul and the team at the um, Marketing AI, AI Institute. I mean, it's really interesting. It's something I don't know anything about. You know, I, I'm a liberal arts graduate. I'm not a math guy. So I need to learn this stuff. And I'm not going to do it myself but I need to know how I can get it done. I need to know how to describe it. I need to know how it fits in to an overall marketing strategy. So I'm fearful that people will misuse the technology. I mean, it's already happening. I believe that the technology was misused in the 2016 presidential election. I fear that the technology will be misused in the 2020 presidential election. I would be surprised if it's not already being misused in the 2020 presidential election. You know, the massive, massive amounts of data on Facebook that you can manipulate using the Facebook advertising algorithms. And if a candidate has generated tens of millions of dollars in donations, many of those dollars from companies then can apply it all back into marketing on Facebook. That makes me worried. So David brought up some of the dark side of AI, the potential for it to be used in nefarious ways. We talk a lot about the need to be more human, to use AI for good. Uh, in my opening talk, I actually said the, the need for intelligent automation without dehumanization. And Tamika has a really unique perspective on this. And so we asked Tamika to expand on how we can become more human and how do we use AI in ethical ways as marketers and as businesses. If I've learned nothing else from my teaching experience, it's the social sciences are kind of becoming less popular. So if you look at sociology or anthropology or even economics, you know, all of those sciences that really helped us learn what it meant to be a human and how we all kind of play with each other in this kind of very complex world. A lot of that social science has sort of been lost. And when you get into the business context, a lot of that sentiment carries on because what you have are, you know, a lot of executives that might not see the value in bringing back those kinds of soft skills around, you know, how to persuade people, how to lead people, how to collaborate. A lot of that requires you understanding sociology, anthropology, you know, just kind of how we are human. And so by centralizing the humanism in those roles, I think you bring it back to the fold of one, those are uniquely human skills. Two, when we bring in those technologies, these advanced technologies like AI, all of those skills will be even more important than they have been historically. So how do we just get ahead of that? And I think 
that's really where a lot of the conversation is starting to move, at least I hope. So what does this mean to brands? David has interviewed and profiled hundreds of brands in his books and on his blog throughout the years. And so we wanted to know from David, what does he think the customers think about when they see AI? You know, is a customer thinking, wow, that's great machine learning that Netflix is using? No, they're thinking about the experience that they have. And so David really brings a unique perspective when we think about building loyalty and building fans for your brand. Brands need to understand that we customers want to be your fans. And it doesn't matter whether it's a technology company. It doesn't matter whether it's an airline. It doesn't matter if it's even something like a commodity, a battery company. We want to celebrate with you. We want to be a part of your world. We want to be proud that we carry your brand of backpack or use your brand of computer. And and by being human and being an organization that has true connections with people, you're much more likely to build fans. One of the hallmarks of fandom that I've been fascinated with for the last couple of years is the idea that people put stickers onto their computer or bumper stickers onto their car, or patches onto their jeans jacket, or tattoos onto their body. That's a really interesting thing to me. And what I've noticed about many of those things, whether it's a bumper sticker or a tattoo or a sticker on a computer, is it's not just a rock band. It's not what you would think is fandom. It's B2B technology companies. It's computer software companies. It's hardware it's stuff that you wouldn't think of. It's nonprofit organizations. It's political candidates. So it, it tells me that any organization, no matter who you are, can develop fans, and that requires humanity. So the next frontier in marketing we know is going to involve intelligent automation, but it's also going to involve a greater focus on humanity. We wanted to close with Tamika by asking her what steps marketers can be taking and whether they should be thinking about individual tools or if they should be taking a much bigger picture approach to applying AI in their business. As a technologist, I don't think it's as important to know the technology. It's more important to understand what you're trying to achieve. So my tip would be think about your job very intentionally and the things that you actually have to achieve on a weekly, quarterly you know, basis. What about those things can be augmented with the you know, inclusion of some kind of machinery, some kind of artificial intelligence powered tools, some kind of machine learning. What do you have to achieve that can be facilitated if you had some kind of machine partner? To me, that's really the first step because it forces you to think very specifically about your role and your function and like what the true value of your role is. And I think where a lot of people struggle is marketing used to be this whole, let's come up with cool taglines and, you know, let's come up with some nice imagery. And then it evolved into, well, let's look at these Excel sheets and let's look at these Salesforce reports. And now I think it's taking an even further evolution to say, well, no, let's actually take a step back and let's actually be the ones to drive the future forward of whether it's this product, of our audiences, of the businesses, of the industries that they're in. So that's really your first step. Think about your role and your function very, very intentionally. Think about the things you actually have to achieve. Think about the aspects of that that could be facilitated with the inclusion of a machine, and then you sort of take it from there. That's more important, and that's more strategic than just knowing the list of AI tools that are out there. And that's a great place to end the podcast. Tamika highlighted the importance of having goals in mind. 
thinking about the bigger picture role of AI, not just chasing a bunch of AI tools that sound interesting and you think might have an impact. Really know the overall goals of your marketing team, of the organization, and think about the impact of AI and intelligent automation on the future, how it can save you time and money, how it can drive greater performance through intelligent automation. And as David highlights, AI can free you up to build loyalty and connect with your customers. The next frontier of marketing is more intelligent and more human. Once again, I'm Paul Ratzer. Thanks for listening to the Marketing AI Conference podcast series. If you've enjoyed the content, I hope you'll subscribe to the Marketing AI Institute newsletter. I'd encourage you to join us for Maycon 2020, July 14th to the 16th in Cleveland, Ohio. Learn more at Maycon.ai. That's M-A-I-C-O-N.ai. This podcast is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to producers Bridget Coyne and Dave Douglas and audio engineers Sean Rule-Hoffman, Dave Douglas, and Eric Coltnow. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.